Welcome to another edition of Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership. We continue to bring you updated information and analysis on the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and its impact here in the Houston region. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined again by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. We are recording this podcast remotely, so please forgive the audio quality. Today, we hope to bring you the most up-to-date information on the evolving situation facing Houston and our economy. Patrick, thanks again for joining me today. Hey, Jay, thanks again for having me on. I wish we were in the office, across the desk, talking from each other, but while we're all trying to work safe and be safe, I guess this is the best we can do. That's right, that's right. Patrick, let's start off like we have in recent episodes with an update on the number of cases. We're recording this on April 21st. Where do we stand in terms of cases broadly and here in our region? Yeah, April 21st, this is about 10 a.m., so everybody knows the, the time slot that we're recording this. Uh, let me just start out globally. There are 2.5 million cases. Uh, there have been 170,000 deaths globally. U.S., just shy of 800,000 cases, about 42,500 deaths in the U.S., in the Houston metro area, we've hit a point to where there are cases in every county in the metro area. Uh, Harris County, the most populous county, obviously is going to have the most cases. There are over, over 5,000 cases in Harris County right now. But 800 in Fort Bend County, 450 in Galveston, 400 in Montgomery County. You can go on down the list, 325 in Brazoria, and a couple dozen in, in Austin and in Chambers and Liberty and, and Waller counties. So this has touched every county in the metro area. Okay. And, you know, you've done a lot of work trying to determine how this current situation compares to previous economic periods in our history. Of course, the difficulty there is that this current situation is changing literally daily, sometimes, you know, multiple times a day. Talk about what the International Monetary Fund came out with last week. Okay. International Monetary Fund, some of you may know it better by the the moniker, the IMF. They're actually starting to refer to this as the Great Lockdown Recession. And they actually think it's going to be worse than a downturn that we had in 08 and 09. Uh, What we're looking at, they think that the global economy will contract by about 3% this year. I'll let you know, I think that's a lowball number. I think we're going to see a much greater contraction in the global economy. uh, Because we're seeing uh, China's economy contracted for the first time in the first quarter. Uh, in its history. Then we saw the U.S. economy is contracting. They're looking at contractions in Germany and the United Kingdom, all over Europe, and only just very minimal growth in places like India and China. So this is definitely uh, worse since the Great Recession, but not as crad as the Great Depression. Yeah. What we all know is that this is going to be um, certainly a seminal point in, in our economic history, right? Yeah, I, I, I keep my fingers crossed and I say, hell Mary, every night that we don't see things get any worse than they are right now. We have some data from March that starts to paint a picture of how quickly things plummeted in the second half of last month. Can you talk us through a few of those major indicators? Well, we're talking about U.S. indicators. One of the challenges for guys like me who study the economy is the data has been slow and coming. But we are starting to finally get some good data points. We saw that U.S. retail sales fell by about 8.7% in March. Housing starts plunged by 22%. Uh, we saw uh, there's this concept out there called industrial production, and that's what we make in the U.S. That's the output of factories. That's the output of utilities. That's the output of mines. Oil and gas is considered part of mining. We saw industrial production fall 5.4% in March. I suspect we're going to see it fall a lot more in April and May. 
and, and we've seen, uh, as, as of today, we've seen 22 million people in the U.S. file for unemployment insurance. That's absolutely phenomenal. It's three times the number of people who lost their jobs during the Great Recession. So things are really looking grim for the U.S. right now. That's the reason why uh, we need to try to open the economy as soon as we can, but we need to make sure we do it safely. I don't want to get too far into today's episode without addressing what's on the minds of most Houstonians, and that's the dramatic plunge in oil prices we saw this week. Uh, The oil market was already heading south before the coronavirus took hold. What happened this week? Oh, what happened this week, It's uh, we're running out of places to store oil. And that's the reason why we had futures contracts and people were looking close to having to take delivery of oil in May. And it, it was financial traders who don't normally have to take possession of the oil look like they couldn't find anybody to buy it from them and couldn't find any place to put it. And that's because we're running out of storage in America. I was, I was tempted to go knock on my next door neighbor's door and ask her if she'd drain her swimming pool so we could put some oil in it. Because we were that desperate for storage in the U.S. Normally, the, the world consumes 100 million barrels a day. Now we're only consuming 70 million barrels a day. The OPEC agreement agreed to cut 10 billion barrels out of that, which means we're still producing 20 million more barrels per day than we need. We just have no place to put it. It's a simple supply and demand, whether you're buying it now, whether you're buying it for delivery in May or June. And that's the reason why we saw prices go negative. And uh, I looked before we started this podcast, West Texas Intermediate was only selling for $3.20 a barrel today, even with uh, hopefully a little bit of improvement in the outlook. And so uh, we're facing a tough time. It's going to be a long, tough time for the oil patch in Houston right now. You know, there's a a question that kind of keeps surfacing among folks like me that don't understand how the oil markets work. But why are we continuing to produce the product if demand is lower than it than than it has been why are we continuing to pump it out of the ground if you will well things there's always a lag aj between when when the market sends a signal and when production stops and we are starting to see companies shut in wells we're starting to see countries shut in production it's not as simply as putting on a switch or, or putting a plug in a in a hole there has to be things done so we are starting to see some shut down the other thing, though, is that some companies were lucky enough, they used the financial markets, and they did what's called a hedge, and they signed with companies, and companies agreed to take whatever they produce at a certain fixed price. And a lot of companies were able to hedge their production back in January and are still able to sell crude at 30 or $40 a barrel. And so they're going to still produce it because someone has promised them they're going to pay for it. Now, when those hedges roll off or those bets, of those little insurance policies, you are going to start to see production dropping down. But if you have a contract and someone says, yeah, I'm contracted, I'm obligated to buy it from you for $40 a barrel, whatever you, you know, the next 100,000 barrels you produce, companies are going to continue to produce because they do have a customer for it. It becomes that customer's responsibility then to figure out where they're going to sell it. That makes sense. What does the outlook for oil right now mean for the long-term health of Houston beyond the coronavirus? In other words, how do we fare differently because of the energy industry than other major cities around the U.S.? Oh, gosh, AJ, this is this is a double whammy for Houston. Uh, it's interesting. There's an article I read today, and it was at CNN or Fortune, and they talked about Houston facing, or they talked about the economy having a double black swan event. And one of them is COVID-19 and the other is the collapse in oil prices. It, it doesn't look good for Houston. There, there are approximately 4,500 energy companies in Houston. That could be an exploration firm. That could be an oil field service firm. They could be an engineering firm or companies supplying manu- uh, manufactured equipment, uh, rigs and bits and pipe and so forth. Uh, we, we have more firms, oil and gas firms in Houston than probably the rest of the U.S. combined if you put all the other metropolitan areas together. 
easily I could see 10% of the firms in Houston go bankrupt. And that would be over 400 energy companies going bankrupt in Houston, easily 10%. It could be higher than that. And I have this challenge of what do I see intellectually and what do I feel emotionally? And intellectually, I can see it going higher. Emotionally, being a native Houstonian and someone who just loves this place, I have a hard time accepting the fact just how much pain we may be getting ready to go through. Yeah, it's, it's a really emotional period for those of us who live here uh, and work here, make a living here. Yeah, I talk to my neighbors on the street. I mean, they're on one sidewalk and I'm on the sidewalk the opposite way. And most of them still have jobs, but they are worried. People are very worried about what's going on in the oil and gas industry and what's going on in the economy in general. I'm getting reports that I'm talking to people on the phone or people are sending me emails that the layoffs have gone from the the, the social distancing side, and now we're starting to see layoffs on the white-collar side and the white-collar professionals. Uh, I want to unpack one of the numbers we talked about earlier, and that's the unemployment claims. Uh, what do those numbers look like here in Texas so far, and specifically in Houston? Uh, we, uh, let, me, let me talk about Houston just specific, because the Texas unemployment claims are going to come out real soon. But we know in Houston that about 240,000 claims have been filed. Statewide, about 740,000 claims have been filed. So that, that, that's not necessarily a one-to-one equation with, with the number of people who have lost their jobs, but it is a pretty good indication of the order of magnitude of the job losses. Someone told me that only about 75% of the claims will actually be approved, but if 75% of the claims are approved, that still means 180,000 people have lost their jobs. I really expect us to get over 300,000 before this is over with. I'm worried that it might get close to 400,000. But uh, once again, that's my intellect and my emotion fighting against each other. Uh, but I'm comfortable in saying that we're going to be well over 200,000, probably approach 300,000 uh, by the time summer gets here. Let's uh, look at a couple of other sectors tied to transportation specifically. What are we seeing over at the Port of Houston and also in terms of air travel? Let's take the Port of Houston first. Actual cargo tonnage hasn't come out yet. There's always a little bit of, of a delay in that. But we do have a, a bit of a count on the number of containers which are being handled. And container traffic at the port is already down about 11.5% in March. I, I expect that to get up to the high teens in April. I get a, an email every day that talks about traffic in the Houston Ship Channel. And it's uh, up until about a week ago, it said traffic is at normal levels. And now the emails are saying traffic is just a little bit below normal levels. A lot of what we see coming through the ship channel is obviously tankers carrying crude. And we have the refineries uh, aren't running at full capacity because of the lack of demand. We're going to start seeing fewer tankers sailing up and down the Houston ship channel. Now, related to the Houston airport system, airport traffic, like everything else, there's a delay in the numbers. But I've looked at data from the TSA, the Transportation Safety Administration, and across the U.S., air passenger traffic is down to 95%. Wow. There's no reason to think it's any different for Houston. Houston passenger traffic is down 95% as well. Anecdotally, someone told me they were driving by the airport and they saw these planes out on the runway or out at the gates, and then they realized, oh, they're not hailing passengers, probably just parked there waiting for for things to pick back up. There are a lot of jets that are parked out there right now. A lot of jets in general parked in, in different airports waiting for airport traffic to pick up. I want to spend some time talking about the different segments of the commercial real estate industry now. Each, it seems, is going to take a significant hit and have to adjust moving forward due to the coronavirus. Looking at the office market first, what were we seeing before all of this started and what are we seeing now? The Houston office market has been struggling for the last six years. Its, its peak was in the last quarter of 2014. 
which pretty much corresponds with uh, the peak in the oil and gas industry. If you look just in general terms, a fourth of all office space, if not, not a third, is vacant right now. And that's not going to get any better. It's going to continue to get worse. One of the big clients for our office space in Houston is the oil and gas industry. And with the oil and gas industry contracting, you're not going to see the oil and gas industry taking space. Uh, brokers used to like to try to sign deals of 100,000 more square feet or 200,000 or 300,000, these really big mega deals. Now they're looking at deals of 20, 40, 50,000 square feet. Frankly, four deals at 50,000 square feet are probably better than one deal at 200,000 square feet because they're not quite as vulnerable as that one big deal. Patrick, let me ask you one more question on office before we move on. Do you think that the impact of this current situation, i.e. a lot of folks who wouldn't normally work from home working from home, will have a long-term impact on demand for office space? Yes, it will, but it's going to be lagged. Companies already have their spaces leased, and so people might not be coming into the office much, but when those leases come up for renewal, you know, at least maybe five or 10 years, you're going to see companies saying, why do I need this much space? And you're going to see they may take some of the space that they do have leased and put it back on the sublease market again. So it's definitely going to have an impact. Uh, People are going to have to rethink or companies are going to have to rethink their business models and, and how much space do they need? Is there ever a time when they need to have every employee in the office? or whether there will always be a point where they'll never need more than 75% or 60% of their workforce to have office space because they'll always be rotating through. So I definitely see a a drop in the demand for office space, but it's not going to be in six months. Uh, You'll start to see it over a longer period of time as leases expire. That makes sense. You you said uh, switching over to industrial space. Industrial space. Industrial space is about ready to follow the same path as office space. I've been talking about the need to stop building industrial space for a while and see all these huge big boxes going up. Some spec warehouses, some are being built specifically for, for individual companies. But if you look at the vacancy rate for industrial space, it was just around 10% this time last year. Now it's at 16.7%. That's for class A space. So I've seen the vacancy rate go up uh, almost 6%. Uh, the vacancy rate has actually gone up eight consecutive quarters in a row. We've got 18 million square feet under construction. It's heading in the wrong direction. So we're going to start to see a, a glut of industrial space as well. Now, you and I have talked before about the glut of multifamily projects that were coming online this year before the arrival of the coronavirus. A lot of market watchers were concerned about how much product was hitting the market and whether there would be enough demand to fill those apartment complexes. Now, with our job losses mounting, what might we see play out with these projects? I I feel like so much of this uh, podcast is focused on the negative. Let me get something positive. If you're a renter out there, you're getting ready to see some bargains again in the apartment market. And that's because supply and demand, demand's going to definitely be oversupply. In the last 12 months, developers have delivered about 16,000 apartment units to the market. And there are another 24,000, which are currently under construction. So we're looking at about 40,000 apartment units coming on the market over a period of of, of two years, two and a half years, maybe three. There's a rule of thumb out there in the industry that you can absorb one apartment unit for every six jobs you create. So at 40,000 units coming on the market over a period of two to three years, you're looking at needing to create 240,000 jobs to absorb those. That's not going to happen anytime soon. You might create 240,000 over over four or five or six years in a healthy economy. We're not creating it now. So we're definitely going to see, we're going to see uh, occupancy rates fall and with them rental rates. 
if not rental rates, you'll start to see deals. You'll see move-in specials. You'll see free rent, other things like that. But the apartment market is, is definitely soft as well. Certainly one of the biggest areas of concern is on the retail front. A lot of independent retailers and even major retailers are simply not making money right now. Um, what do you see happening in the retail market over the next few months? Depends upon how, how quickly we can get back to normal operations for retail. I know Governor Abbott has set this up where we can go ahead and have a uh, drive-by sort of retail. I'm not sure that's going to work. A lot of people like to go in and actually touch the merchandise, look at the merchandise, try the merchandise on. So retail is going to continue to struggle. The retail that's essential won't. I've been going to Lowe's and Home Depot and my local Ace Hardware store, and they're always busy. My Ace Hardware store is busier now than it's ever been before. Part of it's because they said that people are home more, so they're working on projects. So they're going to be niches in retail. They're doing real well. I think everybody can see how well the grocery stores are doing. But the boutiques, the clothing stores, the shoe stores, those are the ones that are going to continue to struggle throughout this. Anything else you'd like to touch on? Well, I, I'm a lifetime Houstonian. I started working here in March of 81. It's when I first started studying the economy. I've, I've, if people have heard me speak before, this is my fifth or sixth downturn I've been through. Kind of, I, I, you, know, you, you lose track after a while. We'll get through this. We've, we've gotten through all the others in the past. Houston's going to look very different. The oil industry won't be nearly as important to the economy as it's been over the last 30 years. But other things arise. I just ask people to keep the faith. Don't get too disenchanted. Don't get too depressed. Um, we'll get through this like we've gotten through all the downturns in the past. Fantastic. Uh, Patrick, thanks for your insight today. And that's it for this episode of the Bayou Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. You'll also find links to recent data and news updates. We are also updating our coronavirus resource page daily with links, articles, and tools geared toward the Houston business community. You can find the link on our homepage or go to houston.org slash coronavirus. Please continue to follow the directives from local health officials and experts. Thanks again for listening to Bayou Business Download.